0: Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with him. We believe that we were meant to do life in community. If you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. Hi, everyone, welcome and Merry Christmas. I trust you have a great uh, Christmas season and that you can enjoy time with your family and friends and just enjoy the presence of Jesus this Christmas season. Today, I want to talk about responding to Jesus. What attracted you to Jesus? Um, Perhaps you came to Jesus uh, as a young child. with your parents uh, talking to you and leading you through perhaps a, a sinner's prayer or some kind of response to Jesus, I know many people in the church have come to Jesus at a young age that way. or or maybe uh, you came to Jesus as an adult, and perhaps it was his sacrifice, you know, the the cross and and all of that. I just just had a, a heartwarming sense of attraction to Jesus because of that. or maybe maybe you've been impressed by, the humility of Jesus and the way he responded to, to his accusations, or, or maybe it was the power of Jesus that attracted you to him. I know a lot of people who have come to Jesus because of a miracle in their lives. Perhaps it was a healing. Perhaps it was some unusual circumstance that happened that was, that was well, way beyond uh, just simply a coincidence, and, and you came to Jesus because of a, a revelation of his power. Or maybe it was his words of wisdom Maybe the Sermon on the Mount, or it just kind of all clicked for you, and you said, "Wow, that is so profound." And or or maybe it was an overwhelming sense of of His love that first attracted you to Jesus, and you just uh, just were kind of embraced or surprised by His grace in your life. That was an expression that C.S. Lewis used for uh, his coming to Jesus. He was surprised by grace. Or on the other hand, maybe you're here today and uh, you've never been attracted to jesus in fact maybe you were dragged here by grandma or maybe you're here because of your wife and children and this is just something that you do uh, on christmas to to watch a video or to uh, to come to church or to have some kind of religious celebration Uh, what repels you from embracing jesus wholeheartedly well not everyone is attracted to jesus the same way And we're going to read the story from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, this text is from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. And it was written some 700 years earlier, and the prophet Micah had been talking about Bethlehem as being a significant place where a ruler was to be born. Go back in history and think about this a little bit, we would remember perhaps that David was anointed to be king of Israel as a very young boy in Bethlehem. In fact, he grew up in the Bethlehem area. And so when this prophecy comes years after this, that another king, another ruler of Judah would come from this area, then the people would be thinking, oh yeah, just as, just as King David was chosen as a young boy, and you, you perhaps remember the story, uh, the prophet Samuel goes to David's dad and says, you know, I believe a king is going to come from one of your sons, and, and, and David's dad brings out all of his sons, some of them grown. And uh, and Samuel said, no, it's not that one. No, it's not that one. Do you have any left? And he said, well, just a boy tending the sheep and he'd bring him in. And of course, it was David. And he he was the one that the Lord had chosen to be ruler of Israel. He became their greatest king. And so from this very location where David was anointed and where David grew up, this was going to be a place where a new king would be born, a new king would come. So the story goes on. Then they saw the star. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Well, let's pray over his word. Thank you, Father, for your word today. Thank you for the story of. Jesus' birth from Matthew's Gospel. Thank you for the response to Jesus that uh, these people had as, as they saw the child or they heard of the child. And I pray, Lord, that we would learn from it and that we would respond to you. Lord, I pray particularly for those who might be listening to me who have not yet responded to you, who have, well, for one reason or other, have uh, stayed clear of, uh, of uh, your grace, have stayed clear of really embracing you as their Lord and their Savior, And perhaps they're listening to me because, well, uh, they have been challenged to do so by friends or family. Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak to them through these words, through this passage of scripture, through uh, the Holy Spirit, which calls us and attracts us to Jesus. Thank you for your great love for us. We we certainly are uh, remembering it at this time of the year as we are in the midst of the Christmas season. So, thank you, Lord, for your great love for your great concern, and for the many different ways you attract us to the presence of Jesus in your name. Amen. Now, I find it surprising that not everyone responds to Jesus as I have. Now, now this is the adult Jim talking, um, not the child Jim, because I, I, I came to Jesus as a child, and, and I think my reasons for coming to Jesus as a child are perhaps Different from the reasons that now I would articulate as as the reasons I continue to believe in Him or I continue to serve Him, but the adult Jim would say to me, to me, the, the story of Jesus is the greatest story ever told. Um, this is the only thing that makes sense of the world that I see, and and I have to say this: What is wrong with the world today? Uh, when I hear the news, when when I watch what's going on in the world, I say. Wow. The world is, is strikingly, strikingly problematic. Uh, there are some things going on in the world today. You just say, that's just amazing that humankind could do that to others. And, and I, Christianity, Jesus is the only thing, only one, only, only ideology that makes sense of the world. I think it's the only religion that really explains evil. And in fact, not only explains why evil exists, explains in fact the cure for evil. None of the other religions come close to articulating why the world is in such a mess. And you know what? Believing in this Jesus, and one of the great reasons that that I have responded to Jesus, is I've seen that when believing in Jesus really changes lives. I've seen people's lives completely transformed because of belief in this Jesus who came in a manger some 2,000 years ago. In other words, Christianity, belief in Jesus, putting our faith in him, wholeheartedly embracing him, really works. It changes lives. Now, our text shows three different reactions to Jesus. I don't know that you've noticed this in Matthew's Gospel before, but he gives us three different samplings of of how people tend to respond to Jesus. First of all, we have the Magi, and they worshiped. Now, these are scholars from the East. These These are nerdy guys who were studying the stars and they were following an astrological sign. We don't know what that sign was. It could have been a supernova. It could have been an alignment of planets. And there has been lots of discussion over the last 2,000 years of exactly what this star may, may have been. Or it could have just been a miraculous occurrence that God brought a, a light into the sky that they would follow. Interestingly enough, Jewish people were not supposed to follow astrological signs. It was It was thought to be occultish and something that was evil. So in the early church and certainly uh, in Judaism, it was thought to be forbidden to, uh, to look at the stars and think that stars somehow affected uh, someone's or the world's destiny. And so here we have these, these pagan scholars uh, following this sign in the sky. Uh, I would say that they're unexpected worshipers. They, they show up in the scene unexpectedly and they're outsiders. They're outsiders ethnically and they're outsiders by profession. And, and it makes me wonder when I read Matthew's account, where are the devout people? Um, certainly, there must be devout people around that they might be, uh, hearing, have heard the story that uh, how Jesus was conceived and had been following perhaps the story of, of Jesus or Mary and Joseph and, and were looking for the baby to be born and, and wondering about this. Certainly, the story has gotten out. Where's Elizabeth the cousin of Mary, you know, John the baptizer had been born already. Where was she? Because we know that family members had gathered in in Bethlehem. But in the Matthew account, we have Mary, Joseph, some pagan scholars who show up on the scene a little bit later, and some farm animals. (laughs) And you go, well, weren't there no uh, devout people in Bethlehem that would have been anxious to see what was going on. This, this story must have been told of uh, Mary's conception and what was going on. But you know, God uses the strangest means to draw people to Jesus, an astrological sign. And he also draws the most unexpected people to Jesus. And I think this truth is at the very heart of the gospel. God's concern for the outsider, God's concern to reach people in extraordinary ways. And, and in fact, the very heart of the gospel is that God uses extraordinary means to get our attention. <laughs> Think back of the biblical account. <laughs> Think of all the strange things that happen. There's a burning bush, and God speaking from a burning bush. There's a talking donkey, right? There's, there's bread that falls from heaven. Uh, there's fire that, that falls from heaven and, and guides the people of Israel there's a, a great fish that swallows a prophet you know this is a, some strange things all the way through until we have this strange encounter there, and there's a there's a manger with a babysitting and then baby laying in it and, and then there's a cross god has extraordinary ways of getting people's attention think for a moment what extraordinary means has god used to get your attention maybe something is happening in your life right now they say, well, that's really unusual. That's really strange. Could it be one of God's ways to catch your attention, to make you think more deeply about him, to come to worship? Uh, secondly, in, in Matthew's story, we have the chief priests and the teachers. And, and they, were, they were indifferent. Uh, they couldn't care less about what was going on. And imagine what's going on here. Uh, some uh, uh, scholars come from a far-off country. They approach Herod uh, and ask where the king is to be born. Herod asked the chief priests and the teachers for some kind of uh, biblical research so that they could tell him where this child was to be born. Now, this couldn't have been kept secret in the king's palace. I mean, uh, these guys, and before they talked to the king, had to have talked to the king's servants in order to give even access to the king. So it would be common knowledge of why these uh, strange individuals, these scholars had come, and what they were asking about. So the chief priests and the teachers hear this story and, and are asked this question, you know, where is the king to be born? And they search the scriptures, and of course they come up with this Micah passage that he's to be born in Bethlehem. And then they do nothing about it. Uh, you would think that, that these guys who are priests and teachers who are really in charge of, of the religious order of, of Judaism and who are in charge of of guiding the people and helping the people, when they heard that kind of question, you would think that their curiosity would have been challenged a little bit. You would think they'd say, oh, I wonder what's going on. Maybe we should check this out maybe there's something happening especially when you consider in the first century there was a lot of anticipation for the coming of the messiah uh, there had been previous messiahs who had well uh, apparently arisen and who were proven not to be the real messiah so there, this was not kind of out of the blue and no one was expecting people were expecting something phenomenal to happen these guys who are supposed to be handling and holding the care of the nation of israel and the teaching of the people they miss the biggest moment in human history imagine that imagine that and 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 in fact they were doing some good things no doubt they were doing lots of good things in their temple worship and their their sacrifices and all the rest but they weren't doing the best thing and this challenges me as a pastor because I think so often that, that I, I can be involved in doing many good things, but I'm really doing the best thing. And, and someone said once that, that sometimes good can be the enemy of the best. Sometimes in the midst of doing really good things, we fail to do the best thing because we're not curious, because we're not interested in seeing beyond what we're doing. And, and I think that's the challenge that all of us need to take up in our own hearts, and our own lives. And so, say, yeah, we're doing some good things. I'm serving the Lord as best I can. But what else might be out there that God would be calling me to do? To think about that, to consider that, to pray about that, to allow the Lord to direct us in new ways. Remember, uh, God uses extraordinary means and extraordinary people to do his work. Well, then we have the reaction of Herod the Great. He saw Jesus as a threat. Now, he was the governor of of, uh, uh, Israel, or of this portion of Israel, uh, between 47 and 4 BC, and he was completely nuts. He was an insane ruler. Uh, He he used a lot of wealth to build the temple and did a great job at that, but he also taxed people uh, so that they were living in poverty in that area, and in fact, Jesus was no threat to him. Uh, Jesus was no threat to the Roman Empire. Jesus was no threat to the Roman Emperor. Uh, he, he's no threat to, to any political system because he works beyond the political system. His kingdom is a kingdom of heart. His kingdom is not a physical uh, kingdom of, of with borders and with, with political systems in it. Uh, Jesus was no threat, but he saw him as a threat, and his reaction was try to, to destroy Jesus. Well, he's not the last one to try to destroy Jesus. That happened throughout Jesus' life, and it continues to happen today. You know, you can't destroy Jesus. You just can't get rid of him. Uh, You can't run away from Jesus. He pursues us. And and I'd like to say that right now to you who are listening to me. You know what? You can't outrun Jesus. Uh, Jesus will find you. Jesus will pursue you. Jesus will persistently and consistently speak into your life through extraordinary means to get your attention that you will come. And I want to say this to the powers and the principalities of the year. You cannot stop Jesus. Jesus will prevail. Jesus' will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there are three responses to the startling Jesus. There's worship from the unlikely. There's indifference from the religious status quo. And there's hostility from the political powers that be. You know, after reading Matthew's account this week, I'm saying, I'm a little discouraged when I read it, saying, wow, is that it? Is is that really the response to Jesus? Uh, Only the unlikely, the unexpected worship him, the religious status quo, they just ignore him, and and, uh, political power uh, sees him as a threat? Well, I'm so thankful for Luke's gospel, because Luke adds a fourth response, the response of the shepherds. You remember the story, the angelic uh, host surrounds them and they respond to an angelic revelation. These angels who have been in the presence of God come to earth, manifest themselves. They say, and the, and the shepherd's response is, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You know, the very response that the chief priests and the uh, teachers of the law did not have, the shepherds had. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to him. That's in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 15 to 18. So the shepherds' response, they're, they're not scholars from afar. They're not part of the religious status quo. Far from it. They have no political power that's being threatened. And their response is almost childlike. Did you notice that? Almost childlike they hear a message brought to them, they go, they observe, they see, and they go away rejoicing. Maybe this kind of response is at the very heart of the gospel message to call us to respond like shepherds. Now, we've all heard the revelation. Well, maybe not from angels, but We've heard the word of God. It's been read today. And you have had faithful witnesses who have brought the word of the Lord to you, not only pastors, but uh, friends and relatives and family members who've, who've all shared the gospel story and, and shared the fact that, that they too have encountered this Jesus. You know, I, I love this. Uh, I love the little book of 1 John near the very end of the New Testament. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes that which we beheld and our hands have handled concerning the word of life in other words the writer of first john john the beloved is saying hey this is what i'm telling you this jesus who was very the very beginning of time who's with God, who has come to earth and presented himself in a physical form as a man. And not only have we seen him, we have have watched him, we have heard him, but he says, our hands have handled him. Uh, And I love that expression. We haven't just touched him. Our hands have handled him. We've hugged him. We've embraced him. We have taken him into our company, into our fellowship, our hands have handled him. And this we have told you concerning the word of life. And so you've heard, you've heard like the shepherds, the good news, the word, and it's up to you how to respond. How do you respond to this unexpected Jesus, to this startling Jesus, to this Jesus who appears in the midst of humanity, in the midst of our mess, who comes to save, to, well, to die on a cross? Um, Harvey Cox say, uh, professor from harvard university who went around the world uh, studying pentecostalism he wrote a book called fire from heaven fascinating account of an outsider uh, looking at what happens when when people uh receive jesus and and begin to understand the the fulfilling of the promises of the spirit coming into the lives of individuals and, and he writes this book and he says something uh, fascinating he says he says that a fire uh, burns differently depending on the kindle, which it burns. In other words, if, if you build a fire and the kindling is, is sticks, it will burn differently than if you are using gas or if you're using diesel, or if you're using coal and and by that what he meant was in various places in the world where he where he found the holy spirit's presence where he found people came coming to jesus depending on their backgrounds depending on how the people were wired or their 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 philosophical understanding of life and and basically their their culture it would depend on how the fire burned and how they responded to jesus and and i like to say that's probably true of all of us that it depends on our backgrounds. It depends on how we're wired. It depends on our personalities. It depends on our family background. When, when Jesus presents himself to our lives through, through the witness of our friends, through the reading of the word, or through some extraordinary circumstances, we come to him and we respond to him in unique ways. And not everybody responds to Jesus the same way. We have that from the story of Matthew. We have that in the story of Luke. We have that in the book of Acts. And so the important thing is just that we respond just that we say, I see him, I know him, I want to know him more. Jesus, we want you in our lives. So that's my prayer for you. Let me pray. Father, we want Jesus in our lives. We want to respond to Jesus. This Christmas season, we've read the story of how uh, different individuals have responded to you, and and we want to respond like the shepherds. We want to respond and come and see and worship you we want to respond like like people who who are interested in knowing who you are who are fascinated by your presence in the world who rejoice that you have come to save humanity from our sin in our despair so lord we come to you today and we worship you we thank you that you've come father that you have sent jesus jesus that you've come holy spirit that you remind us and challenge us and prod us so that we would come to know Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. Lord, I pray for those who may be listening to me, who perhaps have wandered away from you, or perhaps have never really received you, never really opened their lives to you. I pray that they would do that this Christmas season. I pray that they would come, and they would worship, and they would rejoice. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you're looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Aldergrove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Our Abbotsford campus has two services each Sunday, 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at clcc.ca slash give. See you next time.